Good morning, church. Happy New Year. You know, a new year, uh, in many ways, it feels like a fresh start, doesn't it? And that's how we tend to talk about it, like it is a, a fresh start, and in many ways, it really is. And it gives us this great opportunity to maybe make some new habits, some good habits, put things in place that we should be doing, um, whether that be reading our Bible more or eating better or uh, doing things that, that we should do for our neighbors or for our brothers and sisters in Christ, things maybe that we should have been doing, uh, but we decide, okay, with this fresh start, with this new beginning, I'm going to start implementing these good habits and these good behaviors and start doing these things. Or it may also be a great opportunity to stop doing some things that we shouldn't be doing, some things that are physically or spiritually, emotionally, relationally unhealthy. And so we say, okay, this fresh start, this new beginning, I'm going to stop doing these things and or I'm going to start doing these other things. But sometimes, if we're honest, this is what happens with me is, you know, maybe like November, maybe even earlier than that, October or November, I start thinking, you know what, I, I need to make some changes in my life. I need some new habits, get rid of these things, stop doing this stuff start doing these things, uh, and, then, and then I think, okay, well, you know, it's almost the end of the year, right? So I'll just, I'll just wait until the new year gets here. So through October and November and December, I just keep doing the things that I was doing before. My old habits continue to be my way. And, and then the new year starts, and I think, okay, fresh start. Here we go. I'm going to do these new things. Uh, but, but pretty soon, the old habits kind of creep back in, and I go back to my old ways. In fact, I, I was thinking this is typically the way it is. I've tarnished the new year with my old habits, and I, I start feeling like, ah, I blew it, right? I had this great opportunity to start new and start fresh, start doing some good things that I should be doing or stop doing some bad things that I need to stop doing, but I blew it, and I, I sort of messed up that fresh start. If you think about it like a, a slate or like a whiteboard and it was all clean and then I started making marks on it and it's, it's over and it's done. And, and then before long, I've just sort of given up and I go back to exactly the way things were before. Does that sound pretty familiar? We, we tend to do that. We have this fresh start. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a new year, and, and there's other things that we use as a, as a fresh start. Maybe it's a, a move. And so you move to a new house, and, and you think, okay, this, with this new move comes some big changes in my life, and so I'm going to stop doing these things, and I'm going to start doing these other things. Or, or maybe it's a new baby in the family, or maybe it's a new job, or maybe it's whatever. And so we have these opportunities that are sort of a catalyst for change. And we say, okay, this, this is going to give me a fresh start, a clean slate, a new beginning, and so I'm going to make some necessary changes and stop doing some of these bad things and start doing some of these, these good things. But then somewhere along the line, we kind of get off track. And then we, we feel like we've blown it and we've messed up, and our only option is to wait for some sort of new beginning again, some sort of fresh start again. Now, our series this month, we're calling it The Myth of the Fresh Start. And it's not that there aren't fresh starts or new beginnings. There are. There's all kinds of opportunities, and I'm all for anything that's a catalyst for good change in our life. That's a good thing, right? To find some excuse, the, 
the, the earth rotated around the sun for 365 days, that's a good reason to start some changes. About whatever it is that's your excuse or your catalyst for good change in your life, that's a good thing. I'm not calling that a myth. But what the myth is, is that you have to have some sort of event, some sort of fresh start, some sort of new beginning, some sort of clean slate to start making good decisions in your life. The truth is you don't. You don't need to start over. You don't need a fresh start. You don't need a clean slate. You don't need 365 brand new days to start making good changes in your life. So this morning, maybe, maybe we still feel like the, the year is, is fresh and new. We're five days into it. And maybe we still feel like this year is brand new. And maybe there's some of us, I know I do already, feel like the new year is sort of tarnished in some way. Maybe because of something that we've done. Maybe because of something someone else has done. Or maybe because of something that's happened. And, and for one reason or another, you feel like this, this new year is sort of tarnished. So this morning, I want to speak to both those of us that feel like the new year is sort of tarnished in some way, or those of us uh, that still feel like it's fresh and brand new, because eventually, one way or another, you're going to do something, or your friends are going to do something, or your family is going to do something, or something's going to happen that's going to make you feel like this year is sort of tarnished. And what I don't want you to do, what I don't want any of us to do, is give up and feel like we need something else to happen, the earth to rotate around the sun another 365 days before we start making good decisions. I don't want us to feel like we have to move houses or start a new job or do something drastic or that something drastic from outside of us is going to have to happen in order for us to make the changes that need to be made. You don't have to start over. You just have to keep going. Take the next step. That's what this year is going to be all about. We're going to spend this entire year thinking about what is your next step and what's, good, what's it going to take for us as a congregation and us as individuals to take our next step by faith. So whether you feel like this year is tarnished or you feel like it's brand new, I think that the story of Noah can really help us to know what we need to do whenever we do feel like our fresh start is tarnished. Because whether you feel like that today or not, you, you probably will feel like that at some point in the future. And I think the story of Noah has a lot to teach us. So that's what we're going to look at this morning, Genesis chapter 6 and verse 5. It says, The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually, and the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. I mean, that's, that's bad, isn't it? The world was filled up with evil and wickedness. The New Living Translation puts it this way. Everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. So the Lord said, I will blot out man from or man whom I have created from the face of the land, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens, for I am sorry that I have made them. 
people were so wicked and evil and violent and bad that even God was second-guessing himself, saying, maybe this whole human thing was a mistake. I'm sorry I created people because they are such a mess. That's how bad the world was at that time. And verse 8 says, though, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God, and Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now, but I I want us to think for just a second, not only about how Noah stands out in stark contrast in the world that he lived in as a righteous person living in a world where every thought and intention of their heart was wicked all of the time, but I want you to think about what it was like living in that generation. What must it have been like living in a world where your neighbors and your family where everyone around you, their thoughts, their imagination, was always and consistently evil and wicked. In fact, verse 11 says that the earth was filled with violence. Filled with violence. And this is the world in which Noah lived. This is the world in which Noah uh, was was righteous. I, I think about 2 Peter chapter 2 because it talks about it talks about Lot. You remember Lot? And Lot lived in Sodom. And it says that, Peter puts it this way. It says, Lot was a righteous man who was distressed by the depraved conduct of the lawless. For that righteous man living among them day after day was tormented in his righteous soul by the lawless deeds he saw and heard. Don't you know that that's an apt description of Noah as well? It tormented his soul. And I imagine that violence was done to him. Don't you imagine that's true? That it was, it was incredibly difficult to live and to work and to love and to serve in a world that was totally and completely filled with violence, so much so that God regretted that he made human beings. So, of course, we probably know the rest of the story. God destroyed that world by water, that world of violence and that world of evil and that world of wickedness. God destroyed that world by water. But he also sort of saved Noah, not just by the ark. We often think about the ark saving Noah, but actually the floodwaters saved Noah. It saved him from that generation that tormented his soul. It saved him from that world that was filled with violence. And so it carried him and his family out of that world into a brand new world. And as soon as they landed in this brand new world, I mean, you talk about a fresh start, right? I mean, everything begins again. We have this brand new opportunity to reimagine what humanity could be. Humanity had been around for a very long time by the time Noah came along. And they had completely corrupted themselves and become wicked and evil and violent and bad, filled the world up with violence. And now this flood comes in and, yes, destructive, but also refreshing and renewing and brings Noah out of the old world and into a brand new world. And he and his family can get off the ark and they can reimagine what could human beings do? What could we accomplish? Who could we be? What good things could we do for God's glory and get off the ark into a brand new world? Look at Genesis 8, starting in verse 18. 
So Noah went out and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him. Every beast, every creeping thing and every bird, everything that moves on the earth went out by families from the ark. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took some of every clean animal and some of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. See, they begin with worship, worship to God. Thank you for what you've done, offering these sacrifices to God. Verse 21, and when the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma, the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of man. Now, pay attention to these next words. Form the intention of man's heart is what? Evil, evil from its youth, from his youth. I thought we got rid of all the evil. I thought we got rid of all the bad guys. I thought we got rid of all the wickedness. I thought we got rid of all the sin. But God knew better, didn't he? He knew that Noah and his family carried that weakness, carried that propensity towards sin, that they carried it from the old world into the new world that this was a heart condition, and God knew that. But in spite of the fact that God knew it, he didn't say, okay, I'm done with all y'all again. I know that you and your family, you've got this, this weakness as well. He said, no, no, no. We're not going to do that again. We're not going to do that flood thing again. I'm never going to do that again. I'm going to bear with them. I'm going to love them. I'm going to make a covenant with them. He says, neither will I ever again strike down every living creature as I have done while the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. God knew that it wasn't their moral perfection that was going to make progress possible to keep doing good things and to move towards the direction that God wanted them to go. It wasn't their moral perfection that was going to accomplish that because they still had a heart problem. It was going to be his mercy, his mercy to say, I'm not going to destroy you again. I'm going to bear with you. I'm going to love you. I'm going to make a covenant with you. And so God does. He makes a covenant with Noah and with all of his offspring, which includes us, by the way, doesn't it? And so God makes a promise to them. Look at verse chapter 9 and verse 16. He, he says, when you see this rainbow in the clouds after it rains, when the bow is in the clouds, I, I will see it. And remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. And God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant that I have established between me and all flesh that is on the earth. So, I mean, what, a, what an interesting new beginning, right? So Noah is carried out of this old, corrupt, and evil, violent world into this brand new world where it's, it's perfect, it's almost like the Garden of Eden all over again. This new beginning, this fresh start, this clean slate, everything is forgiven, everything's washed away, take you from the old, bring you to the new. Sometimes that's how we feel about the new year. Sometimes that's how we feel about a new job. That's how we feel about a new family member coming into the family. We think, okay, everything's brand new, everything's starting over again. But even before we get to the next part of the story, God says, I know. I know y'all, I know all y'all, and I know there's a heart problem here, and I'm going to bear with you, and I'm going to have mercy on you, 
and I'm going to make a covenant with you that I will never ever do this sort of thing again. And as soon as God makes this covenant with them, and as soon as he tells it to Noah, the next part of the story, the next part of the story, and it's really kind of heartbreaking, isn't it? Look at verse 20. Noah began to be a man of the soil, and he planted a vineyard. He drank of the wine and became drunk and lay uncovered in his tent. And Ham, that's one of his sons, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brothers outside, Then Shem and Japheth took a garment, laid it on both of their shoulders, and walked backward and covered the nakedness of their father. Their faces were turned backward, and they didn't see their father's nakedness. When Noah awoke from his wine and knew what his youngest son had done to him, he said, Cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants shall he be to his brothers. Now, there's there's probably a lot going on in this part of the story, probably even more than, than the English text reveals to us, but we can see the fresh start, it's kind of tarnished now, isn't it? This new beginning is kind of tarnished. Noah's foolishness, and I mean, just as soon as he has the opportunity, it seems like in the story, he plants a vineyard, he grows some grapes, he turns it into wine, and he gets drunk. And then his son sins against him. And then he curses his son. And so not only is Noah affected and Ham affected, but the entire the entire family, which means all of humanity, is affected. Everybody's affected. And this new beginning and this fresh start are tarnished. But here's what I want us to realize. Now they have a choice, don't they? Where do we go from here? What do we do now? The, this brand new world that we had this great opportunity We were carried out of the old world, brought into a new world, and everything is fresh and everything is new. Everything's wiped away, and we have this new opportunity to start again and to do what God wants us to do, but we blew it and we messed up. What do we do now? What's our next step? They all had a choice. Do we continue down this road of sin and rebellion and just go back to where we were before? Is it too late? We already messed up our fresh start and so now we don't have any choice but to keep going in that direction? Or or do we decide, you know what? God is merciful. He's not gonna do what he did before. We don't have to sit around and wait for another flood. Let's just take our next step toward him in obedience. And as we continue throughout the rest of the scripture, we see that some did both of those. Some just continued down that path of disobedience and foolishness. And other people decided to walk and step in the right direction, to walk by faith. So here, let me give us three summary points uh, from, from what we've talked about so far. Here's some summary points. Number one, People usually take their weaknesses into new beginnings. We might even say always, right? People take their weaknesses into new beginnings. You do, I do, your friends do, your family does, and and, and that's part of it that we have to take into consideration, don't we? Noah and his family all took their weaknesses into their new beginning. And so we start off a new year and we think everything's fresh, everything's new. Let's, let's just move in the right direction. We've got this great momentum. Let's just capture it. And something is going to mess it up. I promise you. Because we are weak. You're weak. I'm weak. You mess up. 
I mess up, families mess up, your spouse will mess up, your children will mess up, your parents will mess up, someone will mess up, and either their foolishness or their mistakes or their sin or yours will affect your new beginning because we bring this weakness into our new beginnings, don't we? And so that brings us to number two, it's God's mercy that makes progress possible. It's God's mercy. Nah, I mean, again, I'm not saying it's a bad thing to say, January 1, I'm going to start making good decisions. That's great. Whatever, whatever you need to start making new, better decisions, that's great. But understand that it's not the change of a calendar that makes progress possible. It's God's mercy. That God doesn't give us what we deserve. And that God says and has said since the very beginning, I will have mercy on human beings because I understand their weakness. In fact, that's what the gospel is all about, isn't it? That God so understands our weakness that he sent his only begotten son that we shouldn't perish, but that everyone who believes in him and puts their trust in him and is born again through him might not perish but have everlasting life. That's what it's all about. It's his mercy that makes progress possible. That's, what, that's what's new every morning so that we can get up on Sunday or Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday or Friday, no matter what happened the day before. And we say, I'm going to keep moving forward. Yes, bad things happened yesterday. Yes, I made mistakes yesterday. Yes, my family made mistakes yesterday. Yes, my new year is more tarnished than I wish that it was, but I'm going to keep moving forward, not because of a new date on the calendar, but because God's mercy and steadfast love are new every morning. And so we embrace this, God's mercy to us, right? God, God's merciful to us and says, Wes, yes, you messed up yesterday, but I'm still bearing with you, and I'm still loving you, and I still want you to walk in the light as I am in the light. But not just God's mercy to us, but also God's mercy through us. That's what makes God's, that's what makes progress possible. It's not just God's mercy to you, but God's mercy through you. You extending God's mercy to other people. You doing what God has done for you. To say, I know you're weak. I, I know you struggle. I don't expect you to be perfect. Do you see the, the pressure we put on a new year? And by putting that pressure on the new year, we're also putting that pressure on our family and friends. Hey, y'all better not mess up my new year, right? I got a new year going, and I don't want anything you do or say to mess me up. Somebody's going to. Somebody's going to do something that messes up your new year. And if God has been merciful to us, how much more so should we be merciful to each other and understand the weakness of ourselves and understand the weakness of others and love each other and bear with each other? That's what makes progress possible. Number three, when your fresh start seems tarnished, don't wait for another fresh start. Just take the next step. Don't wait for another one. Don't wait for another move. Don't wait for another marriage. Don't wait for another family member. Don't wait for another year. Don't wait for another month. Don't even wait for another week. Don't even wait for another day. Just take the next step. Yes, you messed up. Yes, they messed up. Yes, this thing happened. And yes, 
This isn't the way you planned on starting the day. It's not the way you planned on starting the week. It's not the way you planned on starting the year. But don't let that stop you from taking the next step. Embrace God's mercy and take the next step by faith. You know, it's, I think about our baptism and, and that, if there is ever a fresh start, that's it, isn't it? Baptism. And when we're baptized into Jesus, we're forgiven. We come up out of that water, as we read this morning, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17, in Christ we are a new creation. But guess what happens almost as soon as we get up out of the water? We plant a vineyard, don't we? And we mess up. But we don't run back to the baptistry and say, okay, hey, I need to get baptized again. No. You're in Jesus now. Just keep moving forward. Just keep taking the next step by faith. You're going to take your weaknesses into new beginnings. But it's God's mercy that can help us keep moving forward. So I don't know what your next step this morning is. Maybe for some of you it is baptism and you really do need to start over and have a new beginning and then keep moving forward after that. But maybe for some of you it's, it's Bible reading and maybe you've already, maybe you had a plan for your Bible reading and you've already gotten off track. Guess what you need to do? Just take the next step. Just keep reading just read the next verse and the next chapter and the next book and just keep moving forward. Maybe, maybe you had this great plan to serve people better in the new year, practice hospitality better. Maybe you said, hey, every week I'm going to have a new family into my home, a bust, and you think, oh, I already messed that up. Guess what you need to do? Just take the next step. It's not too late to do the right thing. Maybe, maybe it's prayer. Maybe it's asking for prayer. Maybe it's recommitting to being and having a better prayer life. Whatever it is, whatever your next step is, maybe there are things in your life that you need to cut out and stop doing. Bad habits that you've created and held on to. And maybe you said, in this new year, I'm never going to do that again, and you already have broken that promise. Guess what you need to do? Just take the next step. Embrace the mercy of God and take the next step by faith. And maybe this morning, maybe that next step really is baptism. Or maybe that next step is just asking for the prayers of your church family. We love you. This week, I have seen the love of this church family like I've never seen before. Thank you for loving each other and taking care of each other. If you have a burden that this church family can help bear, you have to share it with us in order for us to know. Share it with our shepherds afterwards during in the prayer room or right now is a great opportunity, however we can help you. Now is a great first step to come forward as we stand and sing.